Well, we're going to try this again. It's another week of Texas State Spit Talk. Uh, for those of y'all that are following the show, last week we had some technical difficulties, so we had to postpone the show a week. But hey, we are back. Same crew. Everybody should be talking today. If we have any other technical errors, we have Sports Director Riley Chestnut keeping an eye on things if something does go wrong. Uh, man, do we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Guys, it's UTSA week. The, the matchup that we've been waiting for. It really is. To the voice you just heard, to my right, Peyton Hill. To my left, Brendan Snow. Straight across from me, Mark Brown. Guys, how are y'all doing? Feeling pretty good, you know. It's been a little, little rainy all week, but that's fine. We're right back in it. Football's been picking up. I think all of us have been enjoying fantasy, enjoying Texas State football being good and bad. You're I'm NFL enjoying teams. the rain for sure. A lot, lot going on. <laughs> yeah, get a little break from the sun once again. Yeah, last week was an interesting week, especially for you and I, Brendan. We went all the way to Laredo last week. What does everyone keep reminding you? San Marcos. because well, I was there too, so I needed to remind myself. San Marcos took on United down there in Laredo at a nice little stadium. Uh, we were st- <laughs> So I guess we weren't able to get a hold of the uh, guy who runs the press box up there, and he um, didn't know we were coming, so we ended up getting stuck in the press room. Luckily, there was only one other gentleman in there, but... Uh, it was a fun experience. They won fifty to forty nine. Yeah, you heard me right. Fifty to forty nine was a big game. Meanwhile, the other team, the only other football team we're going to talk about on this podcast, wasn't so fortunate. Uh, had a huge lead, played really well at times. Ended up losing forty one thirty one. Guys, there's a lot to break down when you look at this game. So Texas State loses to South Alabama on the road last week, forty one thirty one. No argument, even with the loss, it's the best game they've played this season as far as overall just the way they performed. Willie Jones, once again, got better. I mean, I think this is the third week in a row. He's he, he's clearly improved from a week ago. He went, he was uh, 16 for 30, passing the ball, 205 yards, two touchdowns in the interception. He also ran the ball 17 times. Yep, you heard me right, 17 times times gained gained 58 yards and a touchdown he had the 50 yard scamper early in the game a couple of running a couple of other running backs that got involved anthony d taylor had 44 yards on 14 carries robert brown 20 on nine um again big lead at points in the ball game really big did everything i mean so coach withers was correct in giving more touches to robert brown he said it in the press conference about a couple of weeks ago and he definitely wasn't lying and Robert Brown had a decent game. Um, fortunately, wasn't good enough to get a secure, a, no, a, you know, a win in a game where you're leading by thir- thirty-one to sixteen at one point. Yeah, that, that's that's a uh, huge lead. Also, after he was coming, down them coming off back. of a game that the other team <clears throat> almost came back and won it. Actually, did come back and won it. They did come. They beat yeah. us forty-one to thirty-one. We had no, a thirty-one to sixteen before the that before, one. Oh, the, the week before against Texas back. Southern. Okay, I get what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. No, it was it was a frustrating game, but I took more positive than negative, to be honest. Uh, yes, losing late like that was really rough. I, it wasn't the play of the players that was had me really concerned. I'll get to you here in a minute, Mark. It was the way the game was handled by the coaching staff at some points. We still are not giving the ball to our running backs near enough. I, I, I still don't think we're giving the ball to Robert Brown and Anthony D. Taylor enough yet. They, Caleb Twyford hasn't seen the ball very much. Um Willie Jones, in a halfway through the third, hurt what appeared to be his ankle. And from from if you're watching the game, he had his they had his ankle wrapped, and he clearly could not put a whole lot of pressure on it. 
He came out for a couple plays. Tyler Vitt came in through an interception. Then they brought in Willie Jones threw, again. Threw a pick six. Yeah, threw a pick six. Not just an brought in WJ3 again. He ran for like 16 yards and then limped off the field. Uh, it was clear he was hurt. How come in the second half, late in that game, we're still running quarterback draws with a hurt quarterback? Makes zero sense. And two very good running backs. I had a question about that. So if Willie Jones III did not get injured, do you think we would have won that game by chance? I mean, he, he was doing pretty well before he got hurt. It's hard to say because they kind of gave that game up on a silver platter. Because when Tyler Vick came in for his first series, he threw a pick six. I think that that was a big momentum shift if Tyler, if Willie Jones doesn't get hurt. I mean, it's one of those things. Willie Jones could have thrown a pick six. We don't know. That's true. Now, yeah, I'll go ahead and be devil's advocate and not sit on the fence here. Willie Jones doesn't get hurt. Yes, they win that game. Well, that's Willie Jones' specialty, not turning over the football. That's why tr- He has done why, a good job. That's yeah. why winners yeah. trust him as a starting quarterback spot. He did he throw that late interception, but yeah. – Trying to bring them back. Absolutely. Difference between playing with a lead and playing from behind. Mm-hmm. Willie playing with a lead, I bet that's when Withers is most comfortable. And I don't think that's – like, you know, still maybe a snap goes bad, but no. The 55-yard pick six completely turned the tide of the game. And no, that's absolutely. where we lost it. Absolutely. I mean, it was just a frustrating loss – I mean, just such a big lead, and you, you like you mentioned, Brenda, you've done a good job of handling the ball, ball management. I just can't get over how we didn't just pound away with our two or three running backs all throughout that second half. What has me on the fritz is I was going through the stat sheet and just going through, like, the anomalies that kind of stood out to me. South Alabama had 15 penalties that game. 15, dude. 15. We only had, what, that's, six? That's why I said earlier – they kind of just offered this game up on a silver platter. Yeah, we had like six or five or something like that. They, like, they gave us so many free yards. It, it I don't know. It's almost like missing. It's like a, it's like an NBA like missing uh, free throws. If you look at or just layups. the stats yeah. alone, you assume Texas State's the team that drops forty. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it just I don't I don't know what what happened there. Um, Makes no sense. I mean, actually, I do see what happened right there. Willie Jones had seventeen carries on fifty-eight yards. Hmm. Oh, and they scored zero in the fourth quarter, which because they didn't have a Willie just wasn't healthy. Yeah, exactly. So which brings up uh, Brennan's point. They were scoring in every quarter consistently and having a very nice game. And it's just a coincidence when Willie uh, Willie Jones goes out that they score zero. Let, let me pose And let Ala- South Alabama score 18. Yeah, let me, let me pose this question to you guys. Uh, we know Willie Jones is, is electric with the ball in his hand, right? He's explosive. We saw it with the 50-yard run. Uh, and in college football – quarterbacks run that's just kind of if you have a mobile quarterback he's going to run with that being said when your offense is pretty much dedicated on your quarterback running the ball and if he goes down and let's say you don't have a a trusted a backup backup quarterback that you know you can go to Jalen Gibson um, is that a hindrance I mean can that can that hold you back if your if your offense the thing that keeps it going is your quarterback running the ball. Oh, absolutely. I don't get if that's what it almost looks like that's the way they designed the offense to go around his him running the ball first and then getting the backs involved and then him throwing. But Willie Jones was throwing the ball so well. He really was, and, and I don't want to take away oh, yeah. from him at all. No. He had a very good game. I mean, 16 of 30, 205 yards, the two passing touchdowns, one pick. That pick comes late trying, you know, trying to do everything he can to get his team a chance to win. Uh he was taking, taking care of the ball and being efficient with it. That's why I don't get – why they don't trust that a little more. We saw some deep plays out of them. Javon Banks is looking really good as a true freshman. Look, I mean, you had longs of Javon Banks, a 42-yard catch. Hutch White, a 25-yard catch. 
Anthony D. Taylor picked up 16 yards on the screenplay. So they had the ball moving through the air with big chunk plays. That's when it should be more set up for, you know, let your quarterback, after making that throw, take a rest, turn and hand it to one of your running backs. Yeah, they should keep that up because um, if you continue to run like the quarterback draw over and over and over again, scouts from other teams are going to be able to pick that up. Absolutely, and, and no matter how athletic the quarterback is, we saw it to we saw it against South Alabama. He just got beat up. He was he was worn out and he was hurt. And so when he's hurt, if if his leg is hurt but his arm is still fine, do you still have the offense to execute with him not running the ball? That's what I'm concerned about. Well, I mean. I, I wouldn't say so. I mean, yes, uh, like Brennan said, he threw 16 for 29 and went out at the end of the third quarter. Uh, total passing uh, completion attempts are 17 for 31 after that. So they weren't throwing the ball anymore. They threw the ball, what, two times? Three, well, he, two so times. Two times in the fourth well, he, quarter. He came out in the third quarter and then played the entire fourth quarter. Oh, okay. uh, and that's why I was so frustrated that we were running quarterback draws. This was like he's clearly not healthy, but that's what that's what I'm getting at. If you can't successfully run quarterback draws, and your offense is so built around that, that concerns me. Because if Willie Jones, if they just bottle him up, they run a quarterback spy and do a good job of stopping him, or you know he gets a little ankle injury like this, but he's still your quarterback. You still need him in there to throw the ball down the field. Can you still effectively run the offense without? The quarterback, the quarterback run. I don't know. That's what I'm concerned about. Uh, moving, looking forward to the UTSA game coming up this weekend in the Alamo Dome, Saturday, six o'clock. It's going to be an intriguing game to say the least. Uh, UTSA clearly is two and zero in this rivalry series right now. And the favorite. Hard to call it a rivalry when one team's never won a game. But uh, first game. Bobcats had a big lead, blew it late, UTSA wins. Second game, UTSA comes into San Marcos, beats the snot out of us a year ago. This year, UTSA looks a lot worse than they did a year ago. All I'm seeing is reports that their secondary is slow. They're, they're not very good. They're, they're trying to replace – Bryce Rivers is back. He played a little bit as a true freshman. He's a sophomore this year. He's their quarterback. The quarterback that faced us last year is also gone. I believe I think Bryce Rivers actually might have started that game. I, I I'm not a, sure. I'd, I'd, I'd have to pull up those stats. Brandon Chewy's that played on the team last year and said he went to a different college. Maybe so. I, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. And we're uh, not like we're not 100 percent sure of what UTSA is really capable of because like the past three games they played were Power Five schools. They were pretty big teams, uh, but at the same time they did not play well against those big teams, especially Kansas State at all. So it's hard to really get a feel on what UTSA is bringing at the Group Five level. We will see. Uh, Bobcats are ten and a half point underdogs coming into this games. Coming into this game, uh, start with you, Brendan. What are some of your just general expectations? And even if you want to throw a prediction out there <laughs> for Saturday's game, <clears throat> yeah, I think it was definitely. I think all of us are going into this game a little, a little scared because what we saw last week, last year, when they lost forty-four to fourteen, mm -hmm. completely, you know, just outmatched the trenches. Seemed to be outclassed by UTSA. As ugly as to say. Uh, I saw a thing on Twitter earlier, a UTSA guy was brought up in my feed by one of the uh, Texas State guys. He said, it's nice to watch film and see the opponent with equal or lesser speed than you. Because UTSA's guys the last three weeks, like I said, pay power five schools. Mm -hmm. So he looks at Texas State, he sees their film, it matches up better with theirs. And it should. Absolutely. UTSA oh, yeah. and Texas State should almost mirror each other in a way. They should be on the similar level, and that's that's been the that's been the issue the past few years that we've clearly have not been on the same level. And I, you know, maybe it was the one outlier of UTSA getting a first having a first round pick last year, and Marcus Davenport. Davenport was yep. was a monster. He uh, struggled so far in the NFL, though. 
Yeah, but like, like I was looking like they've lost a few players in that game. Uh, they obviously lost Davenport. Just things have not seem to be going well mm-hmm. in the area of UTSA right now. This is the game the Bobcats can could definitely contend in. I still don't feel comfortable enough saying giving them the win. But I do, I do do think it could be a game in that area of a uh, 27, you know, 20-point game. Most I'm, likely I'm kind of with you on that. I'm pretty 50-50. I think it's kind of a throw it up there and see who wins type game. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, going off what Brendan said, I believe that it'll be similar to the first game last year when Texas State played, you know, uh, Houston Baptist. You know, it was a close game, like 20-11. Okay. to 11. So I feel like I'm not saying he's going to win, but I feel like it's going to be similar to like a 20-10 to 10 you know, uh, right, in, right. ending result, but like it could be anybody. Like Texas State can win; they can top them ten uh, by ten points, or it can be UTSA. I think it's going to be relatively close, uh, going off of UTSA's past three struggles. And uh, exactly, we did. They did lo- not we. My bad. They did lose an NFL prospect uh, in Marcus Davenport. They, so. they also are having to replace. I found the quarterback Dalton Sturm. Uh, and then Jalen Rhodes was their senior running back last year. Tore yeah, us apart, 170 yards, two touchdowns. So they're having to replace that as well. Yeah. So right now it's like it's not. I'm not really 100 percent sure of what's going to happen until we actually see the, the actual game. All right, King of the Hot Takes himself, All right, Peyton. I'm so glad because I got a hot take for you right here. Okay. The thing is, is they have yet to win a game, and we're still a 10 point underdog. You know what I mean? And, uh, like, we are going to the ATB Plaza to face them, and it's just kind of – it's their home turf. And I just, like, I can't, like, expect much out of Texas State just because I haven't seen them – or they haven't given me a reason to have that kind of expectations. And I, I, and I don't want to get my hopes up because, look, we were all celebrating last week – or, uh, yeah, last week when I checked the score and it's, like, 30 to 10 – and we're winning, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I was with Brandon, and we were, yeah, we were just sitting there, we were like, heck yeah, like, this is exciting, I was watching the Ohio State game too, and that was, like, both my teams were winning, and it was powerful, and then um, I checked back on the score, and it was almost kind of like, I had to close my phone, like, click it, and then, like, open it back up again, just to make sure, like, you saw the right score, yeah, like, that was accurate, you know, refresh the page, and I was like, well, we did it again, (laughs) <laughs> we somehow did it again, and that's when you sent the message. Willie is down, and I was like, "Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like that's like, um, <laughs> I don't. It's like the White House is dead. The Willie is down. Yeah, Willie is like, down. That's the equivalent in San Marcos. Free Willie. Yeah, I can feel Peyton on that one because I can compare that to the 2016 season of the Thunder leading the uh, Golden State Warriors three-one, and they blew a three-one three-one lead and uh, lost Kevin Durant. So I can compare uh, Texas State losing last week to that. I mean, I kind of had a bad memory, but. It's all good. Uh, you know, sure, if you can find that in your own way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the, the name was too familiar to me for a minute. We were talking about Dalton Sturm, so I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. The UTSA quarterback from mm-hmm. last year. You guys, is it, so we don't know where he went. I'm he, a, I don't, I don't, I don't let me, know. Let me, let's look. He, he, let me do I got, some research. I got it. I got it. He, was, he was on the Cowboys this summer. Oh, the Dallas Cowboys. oh yes. <laughs> he, yes, he was. He tried out for them. Was yeah, he really? He, I guess, you know, he, he got cut in around late, late August, but it went with the training camp and stuff. So, you know. He no, was a, that, obviously that, he was that, almost an NFL exactly. type quarterback. And uh, okay, so uh, my friend, shout out Brady, who was telling me this at Chewy's, um, he's trying out for another team, or has just gotten an on NFL team? another team. Yes, uh, practice squad. Interesting. So, uh, but just that was like two days ago. Showing so. the showing the talent that UTSA had a year ago. More than anything. I mean, that's a good thing that we won't get burned by the quarterback because I do remember him being. 
pretty decent. I mean, they ran up the score on us. He like, was very – he, he was one of those guys that he, you don't expect him to be dual threat, and mm-hmm. then he really was, and that, that's kind of what threw us off. Um, moving forward, guys, uh, before we move on from Texas State football, I'm going to – Texas State recruiting update. We haven't done one of these in a couple episodes because there really hasn't been a lot of news, but that changed this past two weeks, uh, starting – with some bad news. We're going to start with the bad news first, but then I'll bring your guys' spirits back up okay, afterwards. Okay. Yeah. We're going to start with the bad news. Starting off, y'all remember one of the very first episodes we did here, I got really excited about a linebacker who ran about a 4-4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just decommitted. Eric, yeah. Gib- Eric Gibson, he decommitted from Texas State. Texas State's still in the mix, but he has reopened his recruitment, so that's unfortunate. And then Allen running back, who's a really – High recruit for us. He's a top-rated guy in our class right now. He's very vocal. Uh, just, ba- I mean, it's not, not bad news for our class per se, but it's just unfortunate news for this young man. He's out for the rest of the se- out for his senior season due to a knee injury. Um, he opted to go get knee surgery. He could have played this year, mm-hmm. uh, but he opted to go get surgery to make sure he was ready when he came to San Marvelous. So, yeah, it's it's a very a mature decision. Yes, it is, but I hope it's not like kind of like a like a Michael Porter Jr. kind of situation where you're a top prospect and then you go and, you know, I mean, not some, like something not per se happens to you, but you have to get surgery and you come back and you're not as effective. I mean, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things definitely went tough in that decision-making. Think about he's foregoing his senior year of high school. Yep. So uh, at Allen High School. At Allen High School. Think think about your senior year. Yeah, that's wild. That, that's a lot of memories. That's, you know, teammates, stuff like that. So he's foregoing, foregoing playing all those. To come to Texas State, where he's not, you know, he's not guaranteed a starting spot here. Absolutely not. He, he's not guaranteed anything. This is a young he, running back core. Exactly. He has to show up. I mean, he has to work hard, and you know, he really hoping he has the attitude and ethic to bounce back. All rooting I for mean, him. It'll be open because Anthony Taylor will be thing. gone. Anthony, uh, no, I think he's a junior. Anthony yeah, D. He's Taylor. A, he is. A he's junior. Sure? Yeah, oh, okay. he's a junior. Bro. He's a junior. Uh, so yeah, just it's it, unfortunate situation there for Henry, but I mean, we're rooting for the guy. He's Man, a friend of the. He's a friend of the show. Would love to get. Maybe get a game conversation with him, get him on this show. I might have to look into that. Uh, now for the good news, though, guys. Uh, we've talked a lot about the quarterback position. We have a quarterback committed out of Mansfield, Bryson McKinney. For off to a pretty good start. He's got 413 passing yards and four touchdowns to one interception through three games so far this year. Dual threat guy, another one of those guys that he's as much of a recruiter as the coach that recruited him. Uh, so really good news. And then here's the one that I love. Another running back out of this class, out of Baytown Sterling, Calvin, and this is in his own Twitter handle name, mm-hmm. the real deal, the Calvin, the real deal Hill. We're related. Of, uh, are you really? Yeah. I find that hard to believe for reasons I won't say out loud. I feel, I feel like Hill is a little. Well, you, you never know. <laughs> I don't know. You never know. I don't know. I've never met another one. Well, if, if you are related to him, uh, tell them that he's doing a good job. It's he has me, him, and Tyreek. Yeah, we're all related. <laughs> He has 611 My rushing yards George. in seven touchdowns in three games. <laughs> You're overlaying <laughs> how good your cousin's been, apparently. I've just—I mean, I—I I don't, you know, I don't—I don't put him on the forefront. You know, I just keep him on the back burner. <clears throat> We're just gonna move on. 611 <laughs> rushing yards and seven touchdowns in three games. Yeah. Explosive running back. So, some really exciting stuff coming for the future of Texas State football. Uh, he, these guys will be here up. long after you, you. Some of us are, but. And how I know he's my cousin is I know right now he's ranked 149th uh, running back in Texas right now. Nice. It's called yeah. research. So that if I res- if I research Andy Dalton played for TCU, that makes me his cousin too. Nope. Yep. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you don't share last names. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Moving on to uh, San Marcos <laughs> football, uh, guys. 
Now, Brendan, specifically, you're kind of the San Marcos Rattlers expert here. Not only are you the play-by-play guy, I work alongside you, but you're kind of the main reporter for San Marcos here at KGSW, and you, you talked to uh, Coach Soto this week. I wanted to get that interview in here, so let's go ahead and jump to that. I made the drive out there. Did was, you? I did. Oh, we were up okay. there. That was an incredible game. You guys made it worth it with that uh, great win. But how's this now? That was the last game of non-district. You guys go in the district. You had an improbable win like that. How's all that just kind of coming together at the start of district? You know, it, it kind of revealed the character of the kid. And, you know, they're just fighters. And, you know, fighters are going to fight. They, they don't know how to stop. And that's what that game showed to them. It really gave them the boost in the arm that they needed, you know, kind of that over the, hopefully over the hump boost that they needed so to springboard into district like that I think it's really important kids are running around with a lot more confidence they're practicing with a lot more confidence and they're listening to coaches because they found out if you listen to the coaches uh, they know what they're talking about yeah I heard you right there final departing speech for your team you ta- told them you're the part of the season you can't give up 28 points like that anymore mm-hmm. in the first quarter because we've seen that now a couple of times it's- right uh, you know, it's uh, you know the, the opponents are definitely getting stronger and better. And as people play through the season, everybody gets better. So you have to raise the bar. I think we did raise the bar last week. Now we've got to push it up even higher and, and just continue to get better. Uh, you guys played East Central last year to open your season mm-hmm. here when that one twenty-eight nothing. But now it's a whole different story. It's a district now. It's on the road. How's this game comparing to last year's game? Uh, you know, they're a much better team. Uh, athletically, they're, they're, they've got some good athletes on the field. Their coaching looks like it has taken over. In other words, their kids are playing like their coaches now. Uh, Coach Hubbard's been there for about three years now, so he's instilled all his program, and, and it's his kids pretty much. And uh, They're just playing a lot better ball than they have in the last couple of years, and uh, it shows on film, and it's going to show on Friday night, so we definitely need to come with our A game. Uh, talk to me real quick about the – just the character of Frankie Menchaca, what he does last game. He saves two points by chasing down the return man on the field, on the field goal botch. Uh, he hits the game winner, hits him on the big field goals. Mm-hmm. Has over 100 career point after attempts made. Yep. Just, uh, you know, Frank, Frankie's, Frankie's Frankie. You know, you know, for a kicker, uh, he'd probably be a great kicker in the NFL just because he's got that kicker mentality where let me go do my job. And that's what I want to do. So when he took off after that kid, I wasn't sure if he was going to tackle him or not. But I knew he was going to catch him because he's fast. As you know, he's a fast soccer player. So uh, we thought that was the play of the game. And, and Frankie's, you know, he, he's priceless to us because we know we can get him in there inside the 30 and make a field goal. All right, last question. So you guys have kind of gone back and forth a little bit at quarterback. Sam Garcia has kind of been the main guy. Mm-hmm. Saw both throw interceptions last week. Mm-hmm. Both kind of struggled, but get it going late. What have you just seen from them the season's gone, both quarterbacks? You know, we watch them through practices, and we give them the reps that they need to get the looks that they need. And and the one that's kind of uh, riding the momentum is the one we're going to go with. The, the one that's making the best reads and the best throws and producing is the guy we're going to go with, whichever one that one is. There's the, side of the sound effect I was looking for. <laughs> Welcome back to Tech State Spit Talk. Just had a, you just heard that entire interview with uh, Coach Mark Soto of San Marcos Rattler Football. Brennan, you caught up with him. He talked about the upcoming game this week. He talked about how that win showed how the fighters are going to fight down there in, in Laredo. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, he seemed really, uh, really ecstatic. That's something I wanted to really find out about because we saw San Marcos win in a fashion like this a couple times last year. Mm-hmm. They trail at halftime by big leads and stuff. They, they're great, great at coming back. But I think it may, you know, really makes a difference that your first one in the season after dropping the first two games, in two games that you're pretty much embarrassed in, you were, you at were, home. Getting, getting your butt kicked, yeah. You go three hours down to the border, 
the what was it? Ra- we went from exit two hundred six to exit one. Exit one. Back of to exit two hundred six. So, so we're all the way. They had wow. tra- they traveled all the way down there for that game. They're down thirty five to seven. Things are looking poorly. I'm you know hey do we got a running clock going? I'm trying to get home at a good time. They make that incredible comeback, and then you know the rest of history. Soto was able he tried to capitalize on that. That's something you know. It's one of the things that aren't coached them. Just the, the energy they play with, the passion that they play with, that you know, you have different coaches for that. You have the smart coach or the motivational coach. Soto is all kinds of a motivational coach. They did these drills. They didn't do them until district last year. I just noticed they did them the first time this week with district starting tomorrow. They do the, uh, they put out these mats on the field. They take off their pads. They got to run, crawl, dive, roll, do all these crazy things on these mats. All the practice squad, or everyone around them. Yelling, cheering, they got music blasting, the coach is yelling, hyping. It's an absolute insane environment uh, that really gets them ready. And I, now I think they're picking up a full head of steam. I think these teams coming up need to watch out for the Rattlers. Yeah, they have East Central this weekend. Before we kind of preview that, uh, near the end of the interview, as we just heard, uh, you asked him about senior kicker Frankie Menchaca, Francisco Menchaca. Uh, he's a kind of an interesting story over 100. He's a, Frankie is Frankie. <laughs> over 100 point after attempts. Uh, he sa- based almost, if you look at the stats, saved the game uh, in the game against United. They had a blocked point after attempt, and Frankie, after getting knocked over on the block, chased this guy down from his own 15 all the way. To, I think he pushed him out at the other 15. Somewhere around there. Yeah, and it wasn't a slow guy. Frankie, as in the interview, he mentioned he was a uh, very a quick player. soccer player. Uh, just a big play. You don't see that from kickers very often. Pat McAfee would have been happy for the brand. Oh, for yeah. the brand. Uh, yeah, so, it, yeah, just talk about him a little bit. You've seen him play two years now. Uh, he's kind of a, you know, you don't talk about the kickers a lot, but this guy seems pretty special. Yeah, exactly. Uh, definitely someone I'd like to do a feature on in the future, talk to him a little bit more. For sure. That's, you know, that's one of the weird spots if he was looking to pursue something in that, you know, like kicking at the next level. Soto called him an NFL kicker. Yes, Mark Soto said mindset wise, he's the mindset wise of an NFL kicker. He doesn't care if he misses it. He doesn't care what happens. Next kick, he's coming out. He's going for the uprights. Uh, he said that, you know, the leg clearly not there yet. He can hit around, you know, these 40 yarders at, at most. Soccer players are the best kickers. <laughs> the, no, they are. Absolutely. They really are. Always are. So just him, just the heart, just that play right there alone we talked about, him chasing the other guy down 40-plus yards down the field to save two points. That wasn't his fault. The snap was bobbed. It was bobbled. It was not his fault. But he still, you know, held the accountability for him and his team, went down, made that play. Uh, they're not afraid to go to him whenever. I just think Frankie Menchaca is – you know, a special of the story of the kicker that you could have. Does he want to play college? Like in that I don't know. Level? We'd have to talk to him. I was looking forward. I'm going to make him a you know point of interest for an upcoming interview. I think we definitely need to do that, get him, get some audio here on the show, get it all on the KDSW People airwaves. love fiery kickers. I, think I don't even think thing. he's fiery. He's just an interesting character. He's no, got a I mean, cool yeah, story. Yeah, it makes it crucial. He's been so mm-hmm. He's been so consistent. You don't get that kind of Th- consistency. Thir- third year as the kicker. Yeah. He's got over a hundred point after attempts made in his career, high school career. Starting kicker as a sophomore. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah he <laughs> should play in college. I mean, with those uh, putting up those numbers. Absolutely. A lot of college kickers just walk they on have, anyway. Yeah, yeah so. they have bad, you know, histories this year. Mm-hmm. Moving, looking to the game, uh, one of the biggest uh, things we've really had to key in on, Brendan, you and I have throughout this season, has been the quarterback position. They've kind of rotated in Cameron Vidrine. Alex Alex Garcia has gotten most of the playing time. Garcia, both of them threw an interception in that game. Uh, but Alex Garcia, I think, clearly showed he might be the better quarterback. He's, I, think he's, I think he's just a better 
quarterback overall. I think Vadreen's probably the better athlete, but Garcia's quick. He seems to make decently smart decisions. He's got a really good arm. Uh, he played very well against United just after a rough start. The second half, he looked like a really good quarterback. If you're looking at that quarterback position, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, Soto said it a little bit towards the end of that interview, too. He talks about it's still kind of, it's still, you know, officially an Kind open of spot. the hot hand. Yeah, and they, and they ride with the hot hand who's coming in making the right place. We saw that in the Laredo game. We see Garcia start. Then we see Garcia throw an interception. Then we see Verdreen come in. And Verdreen, you know, doesn't really throw an interception for a while. He has kind a of game manages I, for I, a little I, while. I think his first drive, he gets a touchdown. So we start feeling good about him. Uh, then, you know, he gets a turnover or something. So then they go back to Garcia. And the Garcia starts getting it going. So they stick with him. Don't always love that, you know, no. that, that method. It kind of makes it to where it's almost too competitive in a sense. Like, well, it, what it does is it divides your team, right? Like, yeah. Who, who's the guy, you know? Uh, Looking at the stats, Vadrine is uh, five. If he's a fifty percent completion percentage, he's uh, fifteen for thirty, one hundred ninety-five yards, two touchdowns, to the one interception. His quarterback rating, according to Max Preps, is seventy-nine point two. Alex Garcia, both juniors, by the way. Alex Garcia is twenty-nine for sixty-three. You've got five hundred and forty-four yards, so he's thrown a lot more passes. He's averaging eighteen yards a pass, one hundred eighty-one yards a game, like seven said, touchdowns, three interceptions. The play calling definitely seems to be a little different between the two quarterbacks. It sure is. I think they like to run it more with Vadrine. Yeah, they definitely they, they they like Vadrine to try to run more of what Pudi Calderon ran at quarterback. For sure, for sure. Uh, just you know, being the athlete, being more explosive with the ball in his hands rather than not trust his arm. Garcia, they trust throwing a lot more. Read one last player we can touch on that game that we haven't touched on yet. It's the obvious one. Jamon Johnson. Jamon Johnson. Can't get through a show talking about San Marcos without mentioning Jamon Johnson. Did you the see goal. my notes, Brendan? I have in all caps, give the ball to Jamon Johnson 80 mm-hmm. times a game. Mm-hmm. And with, with District coming up, I definitely think it's going to be more likely. Because we've seen, you know, in these uh, in these first three games, it, I don't want to say they shied away from Jamon Johnson, but, you know, he didn't play week one. Seems like they just kind of go to him for the big game, big it, play. Exactly. When the offense is struggling to go to him to try to, you know, calm things down and set the tone. You could, you could definitely say that they're not building the offense around him right now. They're just kind of using him that's, when they need a big play. That, that's exactly what it is. They're not. He's a Marshawn which, Lynch type. Which, which Similar. I, get, I, I guess I get that in the preseason, you know, letting your other guys get the reps in and stuff. Because we know what Jamon Johnson can do. Oh, sure, for sure, for so sure. So for the first three games. You Find know, your let, other guys. Let, let your junior quarterbacks be going. We saw Takai Mack get going. We've seen Mason Williams getting the ball more. Yeah. Expect to call out Nate Martinez's name. A couple more times. Ronnie Perez had a solid outing last week. Yeah, he's so, they're just throwing that little curl route to him. It's been It's been money. Yeah, uh, what Diego Cruz when he calls name all year made a couple really good plays. Big, so yeah, so not having to focus on Jamal Johnson, letting everything else happen. Then when you get to these district games, lean definitely more Jamal. You know, seventy thirty Jamal Johnson, then mm-hmm. let your other guys make plays off of that. Absolutely. Uh, sticking with the football trend, college football. There's some interesting stuff going on uh, this past week. We're going to stick with te- just staying in the state of Texas. Of course, the big, really the only big rivalry. Within Texas teams right now at the uh, FBS level, of course, Texas State, UTSA this weekend, two eh, teams, but mm-hmm. still it's the only rivalry game that's being played because Texas A&M and Texas is not playing anymore. On the top of my list, I just not wrote down three quick ones. If there's something else you guys want to bring up, by all means, but start with the Aggies taking on Alabama at Tuscaloosa this weekend. Uh Kind of a question mark for me. I mean, you played really well against the number two team, Clemson. You faced the best D-line in football. Didn't look overwhelmed. I think Kellen Mond played way better than I thought he would. You did business against Louisiana Monroe, who the Sun Belt team, but you still beat them like you're supposed to. Uh, I could see this game being within 10 points. I, 
I said on on Parker and I's podcast, I did not predict a win. Brendan, you might be surprised by that. I did not predict no, a win. I no, said you, you're a rational fan. I, I said that the, I, I was expecting a seven to ten point loss. I said I did say, and Boy, I'm saying I it again. Hot take for you. I'm saying it again here. <laughs> I think I think A and M has the tools to win the game, and I think it's possible, but I don't think it's going to happen. I just think Bama's too. They're too. They're just too much of a well-oiled machine. Uh, this is a big game for me as far as how A and M plays for the rest of the year. If they can beat teams like LSU, Auburn, they need to play really well against Alabama to prove to me, for me to put my trust in them, that they can actually pull those games out. I mean, I mean, I guess I can go. I mean, hot take, Peyton. Here we come. Look, I mean, we're we're dealing with the Saban, okay? With the Saban. With the Saban. It's like it's like Thanos Saban (laughs) in Tuscaloosa. He's got his Infinity Stone roster. Okay, so I'm I'm just saying that Alabama is arguably, arguably. The greatest program in college football in the 21st century. Oh, that, that that's not even a debate. Oh, yeah, you can't. Yeah, the 21st century. You don't even need to argue. It's been 18 yeah. years, and yes, they've won more championships than any other. Cool. Um, that being said, this is not A and M's best team that they've had in. I would actually dispute that. Would you dispute that? For sure. Okay, we'll get to that. This is the um, best team they've had since 2012. Well, I was gonna just say in the in the in the decade that we're in, uh, they're not like. The best. They're not in the still best applies. Shape. This is the best thing they've had since 2012. It's 2018. That's not a decade. You know how much a decade is, right? Ten years. Yeah. So 21? this is still decade. The decade started in 2010. It'll last till 2020. I meant like outside of this. Okay. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> but and they're going. They're going away. So they won't have the 12th man. And look, they put up a really good game against Clemson. Like should have won again. They really should have. Two or three things go differently. Also, I've been like I've watched Clemson the past few years, and I personally think they're kind of overrated. I know but they beat Alabama. I just I think they just play them so much that they kind of have that like their coach just has that little. Oomph, you know, I'm going to dispute it, you there because A and M's played Alabama the, every year for the past six years. Well, let's not forget, you know, Clemson what lost the pit a year or two ago. They had a scare against Syracuse, I think. Last no, year. I know, yeah. It's not like Clemson dominates everyone. That's yeah, Alabama. So it's either Alabama's going to come out and they're going to, like they said, you're going to make it ten points. Or they're going to come out, and I think they're going to make it, like, 30 points. Oh, I don't know about wow. that. See, see, t- see, teams like Alabama and Georgia, they're vulnerable. I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, Alabama can be the top team every year, year in and year out. But, like, I believe they can be vulnerable to Texas A&M. I mean, I'm not saying I'm just hopping on the train with Reed or anything like that. But I just believe that Texas A&M is hungry. So, uh, and Alabama has had all kinds of hype the past, ooh, man, I say eight, nine years. <laughs> So, <laughs> my man's Brendan is Brendan's taking off putting, his headphones. Putting and in he's putting earplugs. in earbuds. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's going to be a close, a closer game than most people think. I, I don't know what to say. That I don't necessarily disagree, um, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I'll just put it that way. No, I, I don't yeah. think it is either. I think it's going to be a very competitive game. I think A and M's going to give Bama all they can handle. I just don't see A and M having the uh, the firepower to really just take down the monster yeah. quite yet. I mean, we've already we've already witnessed a bunch of upsets the past. Their like, quarterback week, so. is insane. Oh, is that, uh, For who? Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. Uh, whatever his Dude, name is. Uh, Tua. 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 Yeah, he's what? played yeah, pretty yeah, well. I don't want to say his name. Oh my just say Tua. gosh! Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, so we thought Jalen Hurts was like no, the he shiz. Didn't. No, he didn't. A little bit. I mean, I thought he was a robot. He could But um, he still can't. <laughs> I thought he was an AI unit for a minute. Um, but then then homeboy came in in the national championship game and made Jalen Hurts look like a high school player. I will like, say this. Every quarterback's do a bad game. This could be the bad game. I'm not saying it's going to be, but it he could hasn't be. had one yet. 
Exactly. That's my point. I know, but isn't he a freshman? No, he's a sophomore. Sophomore? sophomore? Ah, yeah. You're he, right. Every quarterback both is teams a are starting game. sophomore quarterbacks. Um, but See, Kellen Mond's got all his bad games out of him since his freshman year, so yeah, he's yeah, good from now on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Kellen Mond, he's the man like A-Lo Black. He's going to have flashbacks from don't last year. Just <laughs> don't think that's how that works. Uh, you guys are asking this question. I'm, I'm over here thinking this. You guys seen Bama's first three games? Bama's so, so they played Louis, Louisville. They win 51-14. Yeah. They play Arkansas State. They score 57-7. But they play Ole Miss. They win 62-7. They have scored more points every game so far when their first game was 51 points. Yeah. Let's just that, compare to the uh, – oh That's, that's why saying, I said that, – That's, that's like, what we normally think. We you know When you think Bama, you still think super great defense. They still are super great defense. Yeah, but now at the same time, good like, look at the teams they've played, though. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's not really Louisville any. ain't nothing special. Arkansas State, you're really going to give them credit for putting points in Arkansas State. And then Ole Miss, I mean, that's pretty impressive. But Ole I Miss hasn't been Ole good Miss. for years. I mean, no, but. Their schedule, and this is one thing that kind of ticks me off. If you look at their schedule, there are three really tough games on that schedule. Three. And then SEC, I mean, you have LSU. New LSU has looked really good. Uh, they're tough. Mississippi State could be a challenge. And then out, and then Auburn. I mean, Auburn's always tough. But outside of those three, A and M's tough. I think they'll blow Mississippi State. Outside of those three, A and M's the toughest game they have. So, I, it's I, I get what you're saying, Brendan, but I can't put a lot of credit into the high points total because I, of the teams they played. Uh, I I still think you're taking a little bit too much away from that. We're gonna get an Ole Miss. We saw them what give up a million points to Tech. You were at that game. Uh, yeah, their defense is nothing special. At all, it, it was just more. Yeah, of, I it, mean, Tech it, is a high-powered offense. There, there so. was a, you know, there's a history between Bama and Ole Miss. You know, a few times Ole Miss messed up their their perfect seasons these past few years, mm-hmm. but then they've gone down here, downhill. LSU Hugh, as well. Hugh Freeze had to jump out of ship. Uh, clearly not the same program there, but still, come on, 51 points, 57 points, 62 points, three consecutive games. I, I'm not I saying they're I bad. I don't think Tua has thrown an incompletion on third down, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's like 13 for 13 on third downs. Mm-hmm. But again, he hasn't faced a good defense yet. Like even slightly, this is the best defense. This is the best team they've played by far this season. He faced the Georgia defense in the second half of the national championship. Well, that's he fair. Fa- I was talking about this season <laughs> and wrecked. <but. laughs> <laughs> don't, don't know. Anyway, moving on from that game, and then we had some great conversation there. Uh, hey, Texas Longhorns—they're back, right, guys? Nope. Uh, no, 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 no. I disagree with that. One. No, they're not. Big whoop. USC is not the USC they were a year ago. Uh, you can't. You're going to have to do a lot more than beat a semi-average USC team to make up for almost losing to Tulsa. At home. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, I, them being home, I, like, I feel like being home helps a lot. And especially, I mean, Daryl K can get pretty popping, and I'm sure it was yeah. with oh, yeah. with the Trojans back in town. Mm-hmm. So, and there were a lot of record crowd. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Crowd, so, star, that probably helps. stars at the game, like, yeah. Uh, I gotta get their quarterback Ellinger looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Didn't make a lot of mistakes. He was improved, but this I'm not buying into the hype, man. I, oh, they're gonna get yeah, TCU. They're, they're gonna, gonna get watched by TCU. Yeah, TCU's, TCU's gonna run them over. Well, yeah, for sure. And that's my <laughs> next. That's my next question. Yeah, TCU oh still the top dog in state of Texas 100%. after losing to Ohio State. Absolutely. Okay. Let me ask you this. Big Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If A and M puts a good fight up to Bama, can they? Take a little little claim at the top spot in Texas. I think they could just like with how they performed against Clemson. I mean, I like I know I dogged on Clemson earlier and said they're you know a little weak, but I mean they are still the number one, the number three team in the like the nation. Like they're good. I just think you know 
they have they have a tendency to flop sometimes in certain games and I think maybe they're just trying to take a break. I don't know, get rested. Who knows? Who cares? I'm not here to talk about Clemson. But I think TCU would be I think TCU right now has the top spot in Texas. I'm not arguing that. I'm just a- hypothetically. A and M's gonna come out and show Alabama some some strength and people are gonna be like, Okay, this A and M team might be for real. Um being an A and M fan you can already see it just like I can already see that Ohio state's about to have potential to finally, you know, get done with all the legalities and stuff behind them and finally go back and win a national championship. Um, but that was a good game. Honestly, they like up until halftime, it had me like biting my, actually third quarter had me biting. No, TCU, TCU is tough. Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying they're not a good team. They'll put up a fight. By any sure. means. By any means. Yeah. I'm not saying AM could beat TCU either. I mean, they had to take out six of our players to do it. So, I'm uh, <laughs> I mean, there's I, I only. I see what you're getting at. If, uh, sorry, Mark. If uh, sorry. AM's being competitive with Bama, could they start, you know, trying to inch their way into that one? It's still too hard to even try to compare. And me being an SEC guy to say, you know, AM, you know, what, probably the fifth best team in the SEC. Then I can't argue that, at least of right now. They're clearly they're, trending they're, upwards, yeah, but they're, they're not there but, yet. But yeah, they're, they're not going to go with a hump of four. They, no, for sure. They're going to have sure. Bama, Georgia, Auburn, LSU in front of them. And that's what I was ta- mentioning earlier. If they can hang with Bam- with uh, Alabama, that makes me think we might be able to compete with those teams. But as of right I, now, I still don't have that confidence. Ideal, plus, like, ideally. Oh, no. TCU is definitely they're – not the, they're not the number one team in the Big 12. There's two teams ahead of them. And that's uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. He's, he was, he was trying to find a way to get Oklahoma State the whole time. In Texas. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. saying for, I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just saying that TCU's not number one in the Big 12, but they could be number one in Texas. I think oh, TCU the would wash Oklahoma State. I'm sorry. No, I don't think so. I, I don't mean, know about that. Yeah, I, I think it's still just clear cut, cut TCU the best team in the state. Uh, As of right now. As of right now. The, the, the fun article I pulled up earlier, I found it on the Star-Telegram. That's a, it's a Fort Worth publication. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what, oh, it's the newspaper I grew up familiar with. Is it, is it about the uh, – like the audience for the game, the TCU game? No, this is a different oh, Okay. Thing. It says, Texas X admits adding TCU blew up on UT. Quote, we've been getting our bleep whooped by TCU. So UT invited TCU to the conference, you know, a couple years ago. And since then? And since then, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, TCU's TCU bubbled. Is, TCU is 5-1 and one against the Longhorns. Wow. Have beat them mm. four straight games. And in those four straight wins, they are outscoring the, the University of Texas. You know, they like to emphasize the. <laughs> One hundred and fifty-three to thirty-three. Ouch! That doesn't you you, you get the the taken away after that. I'm sorry. It's, you lose the, the only one with the is the. Ohio and, State and the funniest thing, I, I don't know if your coach is in legal trouble. I think you lose the the too. No, he's fine. <laughs> now, now I'm just kind of highlighting TCU. The thing I read earlier. He's fine. TCU's whole thing is building their rosters off you know misfits and unwanted players from the state. Their whole Kenny Hill. Their whole starting defense. Uh, were guys who didn't have Big 12 offers, didn't have Power 5 offers, didn't have Texas offers. They bring all these guys in. They, they plunk a guy from Louisiana State that didn't have an offer from LSU. He's a starter on their defense. And they're a private college. They're, they're a private college, and they have the best defense in the Big 12 year in, year out. Well, Texas, according to ESPN, Texas is actually the favorite to win. Well, of course they are, because it's Texas. It's ESPN. It's, and they're at home. Come yeah. on. Okay, what I saw, I mean, I, I just saw clips from the from the UT game um, because I was watching the, the good game. Um me and Brendan both, <laughs> and I, honestly, the fans. We we had the only TV with that uh, with that TCU game Ohio on State it, game. and he even said no place on the square was playing it. But I s- kind of was doing some research, and it was the most watched. This TCU Ohio State game was the most watched regular season college football game on ABC in more than it in more than a year, 
at one point the audience peaked at 8.7 mil. That's very impressive. Uh, that really is. Which is more than than the UT game got. So doesn't surprise me. The UT game was probably not a very well played game. Either uh, those teams yeah. are very good. But uh, they have a huge fan base and following. Especially, I mean, yes, Ohio State has a huge following and you know fan base, but. TCU is a small college. If you, no, mean, if you want to look at like population and then like alumni after population, they small. they don't even have a hundred thousand uh like alumni present like for sure in for the sure. world. They have a hall of fame. Ohio State has half a million alumni around the world. They hung with them. I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's the <laughs> it's, story of the game. TCU is on the come up, and I I feel in the next ten years they're gonna be the dominant. TCU and Texas A and M might be just. At each other's throats the next ten years. I think. I hope that's a game we get to see at some I point. I just wanted eight A and M to come back so the Big Twelve can have some clout. You know, like the rebuild the Southwest. I know. A and M was like, y'all aren't good enough for us. We're moving. <laughs> no, you know what it was? Is y'all aren't paying us as much money and the recruits aren't as good. We're moving. It was, <laughs> well, yeah, that too. And it mentioned this article too, when the Longhorns got the Longhorn Network, teams didn't like that. No, they didn't. no nobody <laughs> did. Yeah, no, so nobody did. It seems like, hey, you guys gonna be all self-centered. We're out. Yeah, look at Colorado. Moving, <laughs> moving to some NFL talk. We're getting to the last couple of minutes of the show. Still about twenty minutes. Got plenty of time to talk NFL. Um, Ohio guy next to us. Definitely have to touch on the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. But let me channel my inner Jimmy Johnson. How about them Cowboys getting that twenty thirteen win over the New York Giants? Finally. Don't want to get too hyped though because <laughs> I still have a lot of concerns about that team. But. Played a lot better. Uh, Dak Prescott actually looked like an NFL quarterback for about three quarters. So uh, that's the best I've seen Dak Prescott play since his fir- his rookie year. So uh, no hot takes coming from me on this one. I just want to say that Dak, Dak Prescott played like how I envisioned him playing when on his rookie year. Like he was like, like I saw a, like the ghost of his rookie past like <laughs> that's coming was, out of it. Exactly. I don't know what's going move, on with him, but move the ball in the early downs, get the third and shorts. Uh, you know, they got the one big play early and then sat on it, you know. Yeah, you got poor little sauce on Tavon Austin. <laughs> the, the, and then started playing the clock. That's the biggest transition, right? We're now a defensive team. For From two or three years ago, this was a team that was known for putting up points. And now this is a team where if they get a lead, they're just going to well, park that, the bus. That's the thing. That, that was their the way they wanted to play the past two years, 2016 and 17. They wanted to get the lead early. They, If you notice, the Cowboys win the toss. They always leave to receive. They want to score first, get the lead. And then, you know, maybe they get a, the first score 7-0. Then they get a stop and they go up 10-0 or 14-0. Mm-hmm. Then their plan is you have Ezekiel Elliott in this line. Run it, run and it. And Rod run Smith. It, run Who's good running back? Run I it, think, run it, run it, run I it. I think Garrett's just scared of going down. Like, like going down in points. That's why they always receive. Personally, like, it's okay if I start down. I mean, that's my plan yeah, if yeah, I exactly. refuse they wanna, to defer. They, you know, like, um, if I, if I want to kick, I know I'm going to have that chance to be do, down like, early. Yeah, 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 be down early. But – that gives me the chance to try and make a comeback later on rather than, like, you know, flip well, the table. And the way this team is built, it, it makes more sense to, to get the, get the point early. You have that defensive line, man. And it doesn't even have Randy Gregory or David Irving best. yet. Randy Gregory's supposed to come back this week. I this believe. week, and then Gregory and then Irving suspended to week five. So he'll be back in two weeks. But, man, that front that front four. Arguably the best the, in the league. The player progression in whoever's teaching those guys how to play defensive line is – Doing a very, 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 uh, very, very good job. I still imagine Ron Mel- no, Marinelli gets most of the credit for that defense coordinator. For but sure, he's putting the them in the right positions did to you make see the, plays. Did you see the report today? What's that? That Chris Richards, the uh, he's the defensive back coach they brought in from Seattle. They brought he got brought in over the the summer, and he's actually now been calling defense the plays. And Marinelli said, "I'm fine with it." 
I mean, and, I mean, he's a brilliant and, dude. They, and, they talked about him a lot during the broadcast. Exactly, because Chris Richard, if we don't promote him by the end of this year, he's going to have defense coordinators or head coach jobs, or maybe a few head coaching jobs somewhere. So for sure, always for sure. try to make sure to keep him, whether he's our next DC or our next HC. I'm fine with it. Absolutely, and the things that stood out to me most, Brendan, you're a Cowboys fan. You can you watch that game? I'm sure you did. Uh, Taco Charlton looked really, really good against a pretty good left tackle in Nate Solder, a guy they spent a lot of money to bring in there into New York. And Taco Charlton dominated him. I mean, Taco was making plays. I remember a year ago, he kind of struggled. He never really dominated the way you'd expect a first-round pick to, and I was kind of like – he looked, I heard in camp last he year – He looked scared. When he got to camp, if he wasn't a first-round pick, he would have been cut. But Absolutely. just because he was a first-round pick. Absolutely. But the, the progression from a year, he's already three times the player he was a year ago. We saw this was DeMarcus Lawrence. DeMarcus Lawrence, first year in the league, he had some off-the-field issues. And then the second year, he had some injury issues. And then the finally, third and fourth year, he started to put together oh, – third year, he put together fourth year, boom, best defensive player in the NFC. And then and now here he is again. I mean, they showed – I saw something on Twitter who had said, uh, it's a great strategy by New York when your right tackle can't block him. Just put your full your tight ends there. And like slow him down, <laughs> you know, just get two guys there, and he just spins off of them. That D line is absolutely nasty. And Leighton Van Der Etch came up with seven tackles, had a really good game He's a, a, as a rotational guy. That's yeah, and, and he, he, I think, and more than anything, it gives them a little bit of breathing room as far as Sean Lee. They don't have to have Sean Lee on the field all the time. They can give him breathers so he doesn't get hurt because they can put in Van Der Etch, and he'll make plays. Jalen Smith looked like a first round pick. Oh, absolutely. For the first time in his career, looked like the Jalen Smith that coming out of Notre Dame. Hey, speaking of first round pick, what's going on with Ezekiel Elliott? What are you talking about? He had a great game he, yeah, against one of the seventeen best. On the carries on seventy eight yeah, yards. Don't, don't jump out and say great. That's he had a good game though against that. That's one of the better front. That's his front best fours. game of the season so that's far. That's one of the better front fours. He in, has a lot of work to do in uh, that okay, division. See, now I think I think he'll have a. Okay, so he'll make up for – I don't know about Seattle. They got Seattle this week, but I don't know no, about that. No, they're running all over Seattle. Bobby well, Wagner's no, the only defensive dude, player they got. The Legion of Boom is Detroit gone. There's only two players left on that whole defense from, like, two years ago. They have ago. Bobby it, it, Wagner. Wagner and KJ Wright. Yeah, that's it's it. Yeah. That's and Earl Thomas. It. Who, who both missed money. And Earl Thomas, yeah, so three players. Yeah, you guys have an opportunity to go on a three-win streak. I don't know about Jacksonville, though. Oh, Jacksonville will be tough. Heck but, no. Well, I'm not worried about. Look, I'm not worried about Zeke. Okay, Zeke always starts off seasons and games a little slow, and then once he gets in a groove and he gets going, he's going to dominate. This is a dude that's going to put up six or seven 100 yard performances. Don't this worry. Season. I used I mean, to watch him. I'd hope so. Because <laughs> I guess it was you and me differ. We say you know Zeke didn't have a great game. Your immediate response is the Giants' defense is good. I'm all for giving you the Giants' credits. front. No, I never said their defense yeah, yeah, is good. Their front yeah, four yeah, is good. You said the front four is good, which it is. The first thing I'm thinking is Zeke's supposed to be the best running back in the league. So yeah, like <laughs> he was drafted, and that's what his title was. I mean, so I want to see him dominating the you know the better defensive lines in the league. Granted, Gra- Saquon Barkley at the did same not time, do anything guys, either. But 80 yards and a touchdown is pretty dang good that, against a good defensive averaging line. 4.6 is not him though. Yeah, I, I think you're forgetting who Ezekiel Elliott was. Dude. <laughs> You're dude. acting like he's completely changed. He's the same guy. He just hasn't been he able to find be that better. room quite yet. He should be improving. They team. also don't have Travis Frederick, who's the the heartbeat of that offense and that offensive line. Yeah. Uh, when you have Ty- and you have to realize when he first came up that 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 front four his rookie year. Oh, his his offensive line was the best. In it was the NFL. it was it like, was Tyrod Smith at left tackle still there, and then the left guard was Ronald Leary, who was really really good. Mm-hmm. He's gone. Center you what had Travis Frederick not playing right now, and then right guard was Zach Martin, yep. who's still there having a great season. Notre Dame. And then right tackle underrated Doug Free. That was the best offensive line in football. This best offensive line in football seen in quite a while. Wait, Doug Free is underrated. Doug Free was pretty good. 
Doug Free is still good. He's, retired. he's retired, buddy. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> he so, ended good, so that means he's still good. So that's the thing. Like, it you you can't expect him to be 200 yards a game when that when that O line just isn't fully there yet. The offense isn't fully there yet. It looked better, but it's not quite there. New York straight up said all of our focus is going to stop Zeke. We're putting eight guys in the box, and y'all are gonna have to beat us with the pass, which they did. Dallas beat well, him yeah, with the pass. No, yeah, he did. So if the entire imposing defense is going to put eight guys there to stop one player, that alone should tell you how good he is. Okay. So and the fact that he still got eighty yards when the entire de- when the entire defensive strategy is to stop him is pretty impressive. So this is what my uh, question is for you two Cowboys fans uh, going forward: If the main objective in this game was to pass, and Dak only got one hundred and sixty yards. Well, it, it was to pass until they got the lead, and then it was just to manage the game. Oh, okay. For sure. And then um, even then, he still threw the ball pretty well. He just got – I mean, no. It, he's six, a short-yardage quarterback, and there's no argument. He only, no, yeah, he's a, he's like a third and short specialist. Uh, for sure, for sure. But, yeah, the 16 for 25 is perfect. Like that's amazing. What I liked I was they ran some zone reads, uh, giving him the chance to carry the ball. There was one play where they ran oh, the zone read. They ran the zone read. The defensive end didn't fall for it. He was going to hit Dak, and Dak kept it. And – Dak just put a one step on him and just blew past him. I was like, I didn't know Dak was that quick. So I, I would love to see him running more of those zone reads. He's a big dude. Not gonna, it's not going to be very easy for him to get injured because he's so big. Dak uh, is. Knock yeah. on wood. Uh, so, yeah, I, I liked the zone read. I liked what I saw from that. Now, moving on, Texans, not a whole lot to talk about. Texans suck. Deshaun Watson made a rookie mistake. They're going to probably win about six games. Uh, <laughs> that's a very quick but yeah, probably accurate take. with that one. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Real quick, that's something I said preseason, and I'll still getting or seeing experts. I'm putting air quotes up under under the table. Experts uh, putting people like the Texans in the Super Bowl and having uh, <laughs> people like Deshaun Watson win MVP. Yeah, too which, much. Look, I thought Deshaun Watson was gonna come out and be something, but obviously it just he has he, Reggie, he has Reggie Bush syndrome. It happened. He can still be great. I just no, I, don't yeah. know, I don't know why people are buying in so right much. Right out so the gate, Reggie exactly. Bush still played NFL. <laughs> I mean, that's the best we can say about I that. I mean, and you look at the two teams he played. He's pl- week one, he played the Patriots, who I'm hearing a lot of have one of the worst defensives in football. They're having a very good start to their year anyway. And mm-hmm. week two, you play the Tennessee Titans, who did not have Marcus Mariota, their starting left tackle, Jake Locker, or their starting right tackle, Taylor Lewis. You can, you can, you should I said listen. Jake Locker, it's not right. You should listen to our podcast, Parker and I did. Jake Matthews. He had this whole tangent where he talked about how they put the Titans put Derrick Henry in the Wildcat for five consecutive plays, and t- Houston still couldn't figure it out. They still couldn't now, stop see, it. When they play New York, oh it, it could be a good matchup. New, New York, York Texans this weekend. That this yeah. this is to figure out who's really that bad. It's not so much to figure <laughs> out who's good; it's who's that bad. So that's going to be. Oh, that's pretty sad. I do think Texans win that game by a touchdown or two. I don't think they're quite that bad. Let's hope they beat their them. front seven is really good, and that's going to give. Uh, I want to say really good. They're, they're, they have two really good players in their front seven. Did you want Clowney 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 so would you consider, would you consider uh, Hopkins as an underrated receiver? Oh, no, he's not underrated. One no, knows how good he is. Yeah. No, I've heard, I've heard a lot of like downs about him. I don't know why. Dude, people just undermine him. Uh, he, he, oh, can I open good. up the next topic? My boy, he's an, he's an Ohio guy. Push your reads out of topic, so go for it. Cleveland <laughs> hangs. I, I put Cleveland hangs with New Orleans for three quarters. Yeah. And basically, it, my my uh, my ta- my tagline was going to be uh, the Browns do what the Browns do, and it, I mean, okay. <laughs> the thing is, 
they had more yards than the Saints. Their defense is amazing. I'm, no, their defense is awesome. I, I'm so happy. So much fun to watch the defense. I know, and it's it's my boy Miles Garrett dominating. It's exhilarating, yes. And so, um, but okay, and especially going against a, a quarterback like Drew Brees, and Drew Brees, yes, still went out and did his thing. Uh, like he always does, but they Alvin Kamara didn't do anything. Forty-five yards, no, nothing. Unfortunately, um, lost me a fantasy game. Um, they caused two fumbles, so they they had this game locked up. But the the, the luck, Johnson. the freaking luck of the Browns. So I'm trying to keep PG over here. The kicker. I can't even express my words right now. One, why do you let your kicker kick with a groin injury? Two, why do you let him kick for four kicks? Three, that's twelve points you could have had. I'm sorry, I'm just going off right now. It, Thanks, it, Saint Johnson. It, it, oh Zane my Gonzalez. gosh, Gonzalez. Gonzalez, yes, and and it just. But what I love, what I love about being a Browns fan is something stupid, something so stupid like this happens, and then the next morning I see on uh, social media there's like hundreds of people in the streets of Cleveland kicking footballs <laughs> down 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 like downtown and stuff. Held, right. held their own tryouts. Yeah, you know, held their own tryouts downtown. Um, and then, yeah, Brutus the Buckeye kicked a 50-yard field goal on a Twitter video. So nice. It, if it was the kicker for the Ohio State or just actually it, Brutus, you know I don't it puts it up for discussion, but I really think he could probably kick that. Well, hold on. I think there's an easy, obvious answer here we're missing. What? All he did do is be a kicker. Don't have to worry about him getting hurt and be the face of the team. Who's this? LeBron James. <laughs> make yeah. LeBron James your kicker. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can, can he LeBron kick? kick? He, he, like he has like – Oh, but you know what I even like made – definitely strong You know that. what made me more upset is I know the Browns have a solid cap room. But guess what? Guess who the Vikings picked up like yesterday? Dan the man. Oh my gosh. Like Apparently apparently Dan Bailey had gotten four or five offers and he was just sitting on them. He was waiting for the right offer from a contender. <laughs> Get it going <laughs> contenders. Yeah. Oh, I'm so, I, I do so think hey, Cleveland wins dude, six games. You guys, you guys can beat you guys can beat the Jets. Also, well, be I'm not even waiting. Yes, we're gonna beat the Jets and we're gonna have a great but I didn't want our first <laughs> win to be the Jets. I wanted our first win to be the Saints. You don't want your first one being Thursday Night Football. It can't be a good sign. <sighs> All right, guys, let's blow through Major League Baseball, and then we'll wrap things up here in I'm San sorry, Marcus. I'm sorry, but if they do mess up this Jets game, they're going 0-16 again. <laughs> Even with, you like, can't the, go 0-16. You'd hey, have to go 0-15-1. You can happen, you can just count <laughs> on your right. Buckeyes. You can just count on your Buckeyes if that happens. I always do. Astros are four games ahead in the AL West, looking like they're going to lock that up and head back to the playoffs. That's always exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh the thing that excites me the most about this team, I'm the only Astros fan in this room, so I'm going to shout some names out that you guys aren't going to know. I know, like, two. So, the Astros have called up a bunch of rookies this year to pitch out of the bullpen. Sionel Perez is a lefty from Cuba. Uh, Framber Valdez is another lefty. And then Josh James, who's a right-handed dude who throws uh, – he came out of nowhere, throws 100 miles – he was a 34th-round pick. He throws 100 miles an hour, has a 90-mile-per-hour changeup. Dude's just absolute nasty. So they went and added this flamethrowing reliever. They didn't have to trade for him. No, they just called him up from AAA, some random dude no one's heard of. Yep, Josh James. uh, I think they have a really – I was kind of cautious. And a a few weeks ago, I was really concerned. I was like, man, we might not have what we had last year. But other than Carlos Correa still kind of not playing very good, that team's where I want it to be, and I'm really happy about their positioning. I think they can really make some noise. Just got to lock up that division Uh, Do you think they are – they're the championship team like this year. I mean, I saw. I, I think they're they're they've got to be. They're not number one of the power rankings because Red Sox have such a big record. But but whenever they played the Red Sox in Fenway, they were the no, better yeah, team, and exactly. they should have swept them before for that stupid Altuve call. Yeah, they should have swept them. So uh, I think. I mean, 
personally, the Red Sox are a little overrated, and I know they clinched their division, and but they lost to the. I don't know if they played their players, their main players. No, for sure they did. They're, they have two guys trying to win MVP. Well, they lost like one to ten against the Yankees like two days ago or something. The Yankees are, are a decent team. They're not they're as good decent, as they were supposed to be. If you have the I best, think the A's beat them in the wild card. You have the best record in the uh, in the National League. How American are you going to American League? You're so close. I'm, I'm so sorry. Proud. I know uh, my baseball knowledge is getting there, guys. Um, <laughs> bagging track. Uh, you can't lose one to ten to your like basically like your, your rival. rival. Yeah. And, and the thing, uh, Red Sox. I just they they scream L.A. Dodgers 2017 at me. Huge numbers during the regular season, MVP type guys, and they're just they're not they're not going to mm-hmm. get it done. I just I just that's the feeling I get from them. Uh, before we wrap things up, guys. You guys, I know y'all aren't huge baseball guys, but oh, I got should, my MVP. Should know enough about I got, MVP I got mine picks. Out too. Mine are in the American League. I still, I, I think Bregman's having a great year. You're a Bregman fan. You're, he's an L, from LSU. I still got to give it to JD Martinez. Just his numbers are absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Much respect. Much respect. Yeah, and I'd put Bregman probably in second. What about uh, Mike Trout? Mike Trout's probably up there, second or third. Uh, but I just, man, JD Martinez is. Pretty much put that Boston team on his back and mm-hmm. kind of made them a much better team than they they already were. Uh, and then in the NL, man, NL's tough because Paul Goldschmidt's had a really good year. Nolan Arenado's always good, uh, but uh, my guy's Christian Yelich. I don't. He he comes from Miami L- to like Milwaukee. He goes from Miami to Milwaukee and is already their best player by a mile. Uh, he can steal bases. He hits like three. I don't know what he's hitting, but he has over thirty home runs and like ninety RBIs. Oh nice. He, he's a. I think he, he's my he's my National League MVP. He's not the favorite right now. I'm trying to remember who the favorite is. Uh, Matt Carpenter maybe, but. I'm going Christian Yelich in, in the NL. Uh, I just put one. Uh, obviously, Francisco Lindor. So. What? <laughs> Has he even had that good of a year? Yeah, it was pretty decent. He's an MVP, MVP it, candidate. It, it, uh, something with Cleveland. Cause He's not in the from, top five. From Cleveland, I really like so, Jose Ramirez. Yeah, I like Jose. Ramirez See, is a good pick. Okay, so Cleveland is really the only ball I ever get to watch. Slash. like Because I have to watch uh, MLB on my free time. And if I'm like, okay, l- what am I going to watch? Well, my favorite team is the Indians, so I go and back look at their highlights, look at all that stuff. I mean, they're always having Lindor on there. They're, there's been some yeah, two eighty one, thirty five homers. Yeah, he's, he's had a good year. He's had a good year. I'm hoping that he's uh, not in my top five MVP, but I mean, it's fair. It's a fair choice. Look, come on now, you're com- you're talking to an Indians fan. Uh, I just hope that he, the team, just all around has a stellar year because they're off to a, a really good start. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, I know. Uh, they ALCS they, here we come. Yeah, they they choke. They tend to do that, but maybe they can turn it around this year. Um, Say that every year. Hey, you got to because one of the years it'll be true. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts? Okay, so for the American League, I don't know. It's kind of tough between Mike Trout and JD Martinez, one of those two, and I'll go with the uh, National League. Didn't really have one. Cause I, I personally don't even have a favorite team for MLB, so I just you're not a big baseball guy. Yeah, I'll just I mean I'm I'm still kind of still new wanted to, to throw the question. Yeah, I'm way. still kind of still kind of new to it, and then I'm starting to I need to appreciate it a little bit more. So it's I used America's to talk, pastime, bro. I used to talk so bad about baseball when I was younger, but like <laughs> and I need to start appreciating it. Brendan, you're the other baseball guy here on the podcast. I like your Jose I, Ramirez. I like that. He's uh, had a good I'm, season. I'm, I'm, I was big on him all year. I thought he had real MVP case, but it's kind of it really slowed down at the end of the year. I mean. Uh, Three, 38 home runs, 100 uh, RBIs, and 30, 30 stolen bases. Pretty good. Mike Trout could miss all 162 games. I think he'd still earn MVP votes. Uh, oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Probably. But, but with the AL, yeah, it's, it's 
and that's it, one it the, leans too hard JD right now. That's one of He's, those situations where like well, he hasn't had a amazing season per se. I think that, that's where your where your team is kind of comes into play as well in Mike Trout situation. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm still I'm leaning JD Martinez, uh, and then right behind him it's both uh, Bregman and Mookie. Oh yeah, they definitely can uh, fill in. You know. Yeah, I'm gonna say Aaron Judge. Okay, you're on uh, something. You're fired. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's got like on. the worst batting average on that team, or something like that. <laughs> he's um, had a pretty rough year. He yeah. Of course, right field in general has been really bad for New York. But onto onto the NL side. First, I'm gonna give you who I wish would win it. Who's and that? Well, okay. I'm not gonna count two. Normally, I would go for Paul Goldschmidt, but he just Goldie. They don't have. He doesn't have enough. Off, started yeah, off too started slow. Started off really rough. He doesn't have enough of the resume right now. I'm a big Nolan Arenado fan. I he, love Arenado. He's magical to watch. I love Nolan baseball. Uh, His defense is what's more fun yes, to watch, honestly. Exactly. But he's so, really good offensively as well. Uh, but I'd still put him behind. I think Freddie Freeman takes it. Freeman. The, the, Freeman's a good the, choice. The, the, the Braves leading the AL East. Uh, who saw that coming? Freddie Freeman's. What? They have all his advanced stats in front of me, but just know war-wise, he's tied first uh, and top in top five in every other war category. I kind of forgot what about him. War is stand for uh, wins, wins above, above replacement. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask the same. I don't thing. really know exactly how they calculate it, but because that's one of the big things I was looking at with Lindor because they had this thing um, like a clutch, like meter or something, and he had like the highest out of like his le- I think, and honestly, I think he had the highest in the MLB. I'm not sure. It was on CBS, but. Um, he has an eight point seven on his WAR uh, standpoint. What are what are what are you looking at over there, Brendan? Well, my favorite stat, honestly, and I don't I don't mean to interrupt you, Brendan. My favorite stat is OPS on base plus slugging, and JD Martinez leads the league in that category by a ridiculously amount, large amount. They have so many strange statistics in this sport. On yeah, base, so I guess which out of all those categories, what is like the number one like? For me, topic? it's OPS because it's, it's on base plus slugging, which are two. Uh, so on base percentage get. It's just how often he gets on base when he comes at the plate. And then slugging is how many of his base hits are extra base hits. So the leader in OPS is Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. But the leader in um, war is Mookie Betts. But J.D. Martinez is up there in both of the, He's third in both of those. And, and then, of course, you always got to bring stuff in. Home, he has, run, home yeah, runs, RBIs. He's the leader in home runs. He has 124 RBIs. So... I, he, I gotta give it to J.D. Martinez. I just, I can't find, I can't find. And the thing is, Alex Bregman's seventh. I honestly didn't expect him to be that high. He's had a crazy year, but um, yeah, uh, that's that. I think that wraps up our picks. So majority so, so, vote. So we'll come back to this. We got J.D. for the AL. J.D. for the AL for the majority. The winner. Yeah, for that. And one. then for the NL, it's kind of up for grabs. Yelich. I mentioned Yelich. You, you took Yelich. I'm taking Freddie Freeman. Well, he's ranked first in OPS. Freeman. See, Freeman is kind of. The only thing that holds Freeman back for me is OPS is 11th in his uh, his a uh, but other than that like his batting average is pretty good but he's only has 23 home runs 92 RBIs that's not bad numbers but compared to some of the other guys in the race it's just not even close but uh, with, the, with the NL it's tricky that's yeah the say, NL is always weird I'm gonna so. take Altuve I mean Altuve I like that name Altuve hasn't had a MVP year but he still had a very good year so. Reed, Reed right before we go I saw this earlier. Rangers talking about parting ways with Jeff Bannister. How do you feel as an avid Ranger hater? Uh, <laughs> see, my issue isn't with Jeff Bannister, Bannister's managing. I just think he was kind of a punk. Uh, He's a John Daniels manager. As 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 someone being as non-objective, non-biased as I can, y'all got to get rid of John Daniels. 
Simple as that. Y'all got to get rid of your GM. I don't know how he. he oh, we said for years. It goes down in the gym. I don't know. I don't know how you go from having a World Series team with a really good farm system to a terrible team with a terrible farm system in a five-year span and still have your GM. I don't. I don't understand that at all. That this yeah. is my personal take on I, that. I don't. I don't understand blaming ba- trying to part ways with Bannister at all. Unless, unless there's something else in the clubhouse that you know we don't we haven't heard about. For sure. He was his first year. He was manager of the year. Somehow brought this team to the playoffs. Somehow brought him to the playoffs again the next year. Then it's all been going downhill, but in his defense, he doesn't have – It hasn't really been on him. He doesn't have the lineup. He doesn't have the pitching rotation. (laughs) No, I don't blame it on Bannister. Uh, Well, last thing I want to mention before we go ahead and wrap things up here, uh, Houston Astros haven't officially done it, but they might be moving their AAA team to Round Rock. That's exciting. Uh, It was the Rangers. Rangers got their spot in Nashville. Again, trying to be as unbiased as I can, but it's exciting – just for baseball fans, because no offense to the Rangers, but the talent in the Astros farm system is just a lot better than the talent that you could have seen in the uh, Round Rock system as of right now. So I think it's an interesting move. See some exciting players coming through Round Rock. Where's where, where their? He just had to flex on the Rangers real he, quick. He did. Uh, where was the Astros farm before? The it was in Triple Fresno. A? Was Fresno? Yeah. Because I saw that as one. It's a really options. cool place. I saw that as one of the two options open for the Rangers. Should have gone to Fresno. Fresno so or Nashville. I don't know if I want to go all the way to why? Fresno. Why? Yeah. But Fresno is a really cool stadium. Why do they always like put their AAA team somewhere in a different state? That's why. That's why. Uh, that's why Houston wanted to get back to. They wanted to move back to Texas. That's what I'm saying. Like, because they. Well, the reason. The reason. Because when you get to where you're like in Houston situation, and we're gonna keep this short because we want to wrap things up. Yeah, but yeah, when I'm you get to where bad. you're in Houston situation, where like your World Series contender, everyone's following your team really closely. They know who your prospects are. So that you get more money out of having those guys close to the fan base because they'll go want to see those prospects. Whereas when you're in a situation like the Rangers are, you know they're not a very good team. Their farm system isn't very good right now. Uh, there's not as much interest there. So that's kind of why okay. you you ideally you want to stay close, but at the same time, for, uh, Round Rock has every once the contract is up, they can sign whoever they want. So. Um, that's going to do it for us today on Texas State Spit Talk. A little bit of a long one, but I think we had a lot of fun. Gave you all some really good content to listen to. Uh, this has been Regraph with Peyton Hill, Mark Brown, mm-hmm. Brendan Snow. Don't forget to – this will be coming out Friday at noon. Uh, so by the na- by then we will know the outcome of that Cleveland-New uh, York game. But uh, make sure to tune in to Bobcat Radio every Monday, Monday Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. Some good stuff there for great interviews. And Texas State Spit Talk will, of course, come out. Every Friday at noon. Real quick, I'll preview my guest for tomorrow's show on Friday. Peyton, Mark, I haven't told you guys yet. You guys are on the show. Andy Everett. He's the play-by-play guy for the UTSA football team. So oh, that'll be cool. A good, we hey, have a good dope. guest coming up. Dope. <laughs> dope. I got some questions for him there. So th- this podcast will be released uh, after that comes out, but uh, that'll still – you can definitely go and check out the air checks on KDSW.com if they're up by then. I probably don't know if they are or not, but – if you can, tune into that. If not, we'll probably try and get that online. But thank everybody for listening. Hope you all enjoyed, and we will see you all next week.